if you have the passion and you're willing to learn and you're willing to listen to other people, it's not hard to find success, right? Degrees of success are subjective to some extent, but it's not hard to find success. And success to me is frankly, not monetary. The, the success to me is, are you happy? Do you live a happy life? You're listening to Identity Revolution, a podcast from the consumer identity management experts at Infutor Data Solutions. In each episode, we invite industry leaders for data-driven discussions on all things marketing, analytics, and identity. Join us as we take a deep dive into industry trends, strategies, and the future of data technology. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Infutor Data Solutions Identity Revolution podcast. My name is Corey Davis. I lead the MarTech, AdTech, and Media Industry Vertical and Ecosystem here at Infutor, and very, very excited today to have our guest, Julian Zilberbrand from ViacomCBS. Julian is EVP of Advanced Media, has been at Viacom since 2015. There was a stop way back when, we'll talk about that in a bit, but been there since 2015. Prior to that, spent 12 years or so in the Publicis group. And then early in his career, uh, had stops at MTV, early DoubleClick, and Seismic. Julian, like, we're working together. I'm super excited about it. Really, really appreciate you joining the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Corey. I really appreciate you inviting me on and look forward to a fun conversation. Absolutely. So to, to kind of get us started beyond just uh, the basic overview that I gave there, obviously you've had pretty substantial, pretty tremendous career across this wild and crazy ad tech, martech, plus agency, plus media thing. So I guess talk us through like, what's the story? How did you work your way through all that stuff? And, and how did you end up in this advanced media role? Uh, yeah. It's fascinating and boring at the same time, depending on your perspective. So I consider myself from Brooklyn. My family immigrated from the former Soviet Union. We lived in Massachusetts for a couple of years before we moved to New York. So sometime around the age of four or five, I, we got to Brooklyn. So I consider myself a Brooklyn kid. I went to Brooklyn College. If you get me drunk, you'll hear the accent. It's really strong in there. And as it so happens, I went to college with a young lady who was working at MTV at the time. And after I had walked out of a, for all intent purposes, a pyramid scheme kind of thing that I was interviewing for, realized it was a pyramid scheme, walked out, ran into this woman on the street, college friend of mine. She asked, hey, what are you doing? I said, ah, I'm, I'm trying to pay rent. She said, well, I work at MTV. Would you like a gig? I said, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> I'll take it. So she was very kind, very sweet. I'll, I'll never forget that act of kindness. She brought me aboard. I spent about a year at MTV as a production assistant on the website. Really good. My first kind of exposure to HTML and code and things of that nature, that wasn't necessarily where my education lay. My education was in TV production and radio production. So I thought I was going to work in news or just really in the back room directing or technical directing. But I spent about a year at MTV. And at the time, this is pre-2000 if I could date myself a little bit. So I had, after a year, decided, hey, you know, I was peeing on the website and I was like, you know what I don't want to do? Work on a website. I want to work in television. And so I went to leadership and I said, hey, I'd really like to go into TV side. And they offered me a pay cut to do it. Now, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't like enough of a pay cut for me to be concerned about it. But at the time I was like, you can't cut my pay. I already make nothing. And I had a friend who happened to work at DoubleClick and the prerequisite getting hired at DoubleClick was to know HTML, which I had just ironically learned. 
So I went and interviewed at DoubleClick, had a good interview there, joined DoubleClick as a trafficker, spent some time trafficking. And if anybody who's met me knows I'm not really shy, I'm not necessarily extroverted per se, but I can be if I want to, but I do kind of have no problem with confidence per se. And so after some time trafficking and picking it up and and getting comfortable with it and, and being reasonably good at it, I got promoted to go into support and then support, I got promoted to some other role and then double click, moved their entire operation to Colorado. And so this is, I guess, 2001. I decided I did not want to move to Colorado because that's not New York and I didn't want to live in not New York. So I spent the summer there hanging out, working, whatever it is. Come that year, we all know what happened in September of that year. No need to reiterate that. But at the time, my biggest client for DoubleClick happened to be travel clients. And as it so happens, after a great terrorist attack, travel clients kind of pull their dollars. And so as it so happened, I got let go, which was probably amongst the best things that ever happened to me. That experience was amazing working at DoubleClick. I still have friends and people that I'm cool with in this industry. And the, the alumni from that organization is huge. And it's really been a nice jump off. I then spent the next two years, once I left DoubleClick, at a company you referenced as Seismic. That was the name today. The name 20 years ago was iBlaster, which is still, in my mind, the most unintentionally hilarious name of any company I've ever worked at or really dealt with. It's really funny. And I still get a kick out of it. But I spent two years there. Really great experience. Really learning, honing my kind of client service skills, if you will. And my responsibility was basically the agencies. And I client serviced the entire agency operation. So it was like a thousand agencies and I was like servicing all of them. So very frenetic. And there were days where I worked 24 to 36 hours in a row and things like that, like just like inhuman stuff. But again, still really cool experiences. And again, more kind of familiarity with the code and then really being introduced to the agency world at another level because I had worked with them at DoubleClick, but being closer to them, this is the beginnings of rich media, right? So the $5 CPMs for a floating ad. Sure. Spent a couple of years there. And then I got a call from somebody who's a friend of mine now, Adam Gerber. And he said, hey, we're hiring MediaVest. Why don't you come over and interview? I interviewed over there to kind of oversee a large CPG, the largest CPG at the time who was a client. And after I interviewed, they were like, you know what? Why don't you just run the whole thing? We had the largest CPG. We had the largest beverage company and so on and so forth. So MediaVest at the time, another great organization, which I'll talk about in a bit, but probably had the number one of every possible client. This is, I guess, 2004 at this point. And so I came aboard overseeing AdOps for MediaVest. And most people who work in AdOps, that's a backroom gig. You do the job, you're not necessarily heard, which is cool, I guess. That's just like not my personality. And frankly, this was still the kind of beginnings of digital to some extent. Sure. There were buyers and people and the clients who really didn't have a lot of the backend technical understanding. And I was able to kind of take all my technical know-how that I had learned with DoubleClick and the experience I had with iBlaster and, and be able to kind of, you know, be a standout in that situation, understanding kind of how everything was working on the digital end of the spectrum. And by proxy, I started to take leadership roles in meetings or in kind of just company-wide. And so like my career started to kind of move aggressively from there because I had joined as a director from there. A couple of years into it, I was a vice president. A few years later, I was a senior vice president and so on. And I spent about a little under eight years, maybe nine at MediaVest and then Starcom MediaVest Group which isn't a thing anymore. Frankly, neither is MediaVest. 
but another just amazing organization with alumni scattered all over this industry and like at the most talented levels. I'm talking about president and CEOs of agencies and executive leaders all over the place now, right? And it was just like a really fantastic learning experience. I would advise anybody who's starting in this business to work at an agency. You may not necessarily get the highest salary per se, but there's (laughs) no better education in this market than working at an agency. You see everything. You're exposed to everything. You have to understand, especially for me in the ad ops world, what I used to tell my team is your job is to know their job, your job, the people next to you, the people behind you and everybody else. You have to know everybody's job as well as yours to do your job well. And by proxy, learning how buyers went about doing their business, how the analysts worked. There weren't many analysts at the time, but whatever we had, research, just like the more understanding you had, the better you were able to execute your job. And by by proxy, right, you would learn everything. And that allowed me to kind of go beyond the ad ops portion to now I was doing partnerships. It started with the ad serving partnerships and rich media partnerships, expanded into like as things adjusted, like analytics tools and so on. And then over the course of time, I started to take over terms and conditions because nobody knew how to, nobody knew how to do it. Like, how would I manage that? Well, who does that? Nobody was doing it. So I was like, I'll do it. And so I took over like terms and conditions and I became like a fake lawyer, right? Like reading terms and conditions and getting on the IAB calls and complaining about agencies' positions and so on and so forth. And that got me, you know, very, I guess, invested in the industry. Once you're kind of involved in that C's and C space and kind of all this other stuff, you're like, you're invested in the industry. And so I would do a lot of speaking over the course of time and things of that nature. But after about nine years, SMG, I was at an event and an upfront ran into another guy who's a buddy of mine, who's a high, who's now a high-end executive at Verizon. He happened to be at the time the head of investment for Zenith. And he was like, join us. And I said, make me an offer. He made me an offer and it was a good offer. And I went back to SMG and they weren't able to kind of meet it, just all out transparent. And I joined Zenith Optimedia. Again, just another, I mean, that's the luxury I've had in this business, not just working with like the best, of the best and the talented, but just the organizations and the way that they attracted this high-end talent and this quality of individuals. And Zenith, I spent two, two and a half years at Zenith and I made friends for life. Like that's one of my sure. favorite places I've ever worked. And I, it's relative to now Viacom and, and Starcom MediaVest Group or DoubleClick or whatever it is, like two years there were just like some of the best that I had. Like that's a family org. And a lot of the people that I worked with, they're still there because yeah. it's a great place to work. I spent two really quality years there, made a lot of good friends and a lot of like, you know, a lot of like just information taken in, right? And that's where I got out of the digital bubble and I started to kind of understand the linear game and how things were changing and addressable and all these other kind of media types that were outside of the digital bubble that I was in for prior the prior 10 or 12 years. And then I spent a good two and a half years at Zenith and then Viacom came calling, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I came over here and it's been a wonderful experience here. Again, another company with just like quality people. Ironically, much like DoubleClick, I have yet to run into almost anybody in this business who hasn't worked at Viacom. And for me, it was a full circle. As you mentioned in your intro, I interned at CBS in college, right? And then I worked at MTV as my first quote unquote corporate job. And then coming full circle, coming back to Viacom as an executive, it was interesting because some of the people that I had worked with 15 years prior were actually still here. And that's a testament to Viacom and Viacom CBS as a whole. 
is that people come here, they work here, and they stay here because it's a great environment and a great place to work. And I've been here ever since, and it's been just a great experience for me. I've had just a beautiful opportunity to learn from some incredibly talented executives, to groom incredibly talented executives in my own my own management role, and really to kind of get a good footing in the industry. And that's helped me, right? Every step of the way and every experience I've had and every person that I've come across has been somebody I've tried taking the time to kind of want to get to know and learn from. And I think, you know, if you have that mentality that it's about learning and it's about being kind and being a good person, right? Because to me, that's like the easiest thing you could do to begin with is just be a good human being, which more people should follow, I think. But just having that experience of being exposed to kind people and, you know, learning from them and then, you know, passing that and paying that forward and so on. It's, you know, that karma, I believe in karma. And that karma has led to kind of having a, a good career, I guess. Love it. That is an excellent overview and a great story. And so good transition there into, so I think it's about six years or so. Yeah. Now, obviously it was Viacom, now it's Viacom CBS. Yes. EVP of Advanced Media yep. at a giant organization. I guess I'm sure you've worked on a bunch of things over that six years, but yeah. I guess talk us through kind of what are you doing now? Like what's the role today? What's, what am I doing? Yeah, sure. Big Viacom CBS group working on and how do you fit into that? Sure. So yeah, as you said, obviously we, we merged with CBS. Fantastic experience. I know a lot of people in this industry, as you can imagine, over the course of 20 plus years, I have yet to hear of a positive merger experience, but I'll be the first to say this has been a positive merger experience. At least for me, obviously, you know, not, not everybody always makes it through those kind of situations. Businesses have tough decisions to make. It worked out for me. But in general, it's been just a really great like merger experience. Like the cultures and the people and everything has been really, really positive. Now, as far as what I'm doing today, that's changed in the last couple of months. But Ultimately, what I'm doing now is one, I head up our addressable practice, specifically kind of business development for addressable, as well as kind of enablement and operationalizing it and so on. And then working with my counterparts on the sales end of the equation or the back end engineering end of the equation to kind of enable all those capabilities. So that's that's a huge focus of mine is just addressable and making addressable more functional, not only simply for us, which we've done, right? We've been working on this for a number of years and I've been working on this on a number of years, maybe in different roles versus what I have today, but just that enablement kind of piece. I mean, we have a 50 million household footprint of addressable, which is amongst the largest there is, right? And so we have a tremendous reach there and we've spent a lot of time organizing that. So now I oversee that and I work with a really talented group of people there. I also oversee reporting insights and analytics product that we call InView. That's one of my pet projects. It's really kind of our first foray into kind of really providing clients easy access to information and, and most importantly, like really trying to drive value for them. And when I say value, just having to know exactly what agencies go through and the information they need and they want and the challenges that they deal with, the hundreds and hundreds of companies. Like I remember 10 years ago, we had tried to pair our at an agency, our list down from like 3000 to like 800. And that was like a chore, right? So like, you know, agencies work with so many. So like we're aware of that. And what we try to do is just be easier to work with, right? So we've developed tools or we're developing tools to simply be provide workflow utility. How can I make your life easier? How can I get information in your hands easier? How can I give you insights beyond what you get today, really at a high level? How do I kind of find ways to simply get you the things that you need to get? 
faster, easier, and in a self-service model. So that's one of my pet projects, and it's a big thing that we're doing here. And I oversee kind of product and I oversee marketing and everything. But there's an incredibly talented team that I work with who work on that product. And then I also oversee customer identity, specifically centralization of customer identity for our org. So Viacom CBS is a, a large organization, as you pointed out. There's a lot of different touch points that we have with the consumer. And we're now looking at a better way to organize information around those consumers. How do we kind of understand who they are? And ultimately, how do we kind of provide our business units within privacy regulations, within you know the construct of what we can do with really very detailed and in-depth governance and so on uh, to make sure that we are meeting all our obligations, not only contractually, but morally, if you will. How do we kind of just give our business units a better understanding of who our consumers are? So that's another thing that I'm working on. And then lastly, I oversee the partnership that we have with BlockGraph. Viacom CBS, along with Charter and Comcast, are JV partners in BlockGraph. We think that that's an incredibly useful tool, specifically for the TV industry, when we think about moving audiences from point A to point B to point C. And so I've been working with that team to kind of enable that capability and make sure that that's something that's functional in the market. Obviously, that's a separate business, and we obviously have some level of influence on it, but really it's a separate piece of business. And all we're trying to do there is give them some direction on how to best kind of get into market and then how to best service us as a customer, right? So those are the things that I do. There's maybe some other things here or there that I touch upon, but those are my focuses. That is a lot of stuff. You get a lot of stuff going on. I think that's helpful overview. I appreciate the overview of the role. That's a lot of work. (laughs) It is. And so the one thing that I was thinking about, which I know that we've talked about before is like, you mentioned sort of the merger has gone well. The one thing that seems to be like this strange, but also a positive is this sort of the legacy Viacom business. Sure. MTV, Comedy Central, like, I mean, the Jersey Shore, right? With the legacy CBS business, which includes things like 60 Minutes. And now all of that is sitting in one business. I guess there's Nickelodeon in there. I mean, just an incredibly wide range of content. And then by extension, audiences, like it feels compelling to me, right? I mean, like that's the advertiser kind of, you're sort of fitting for any advertiser, right? I mean, whether you're selling diapers or, you know, I don't know. You're not wrong. That's the beauty of this combined company is that ultimately we do have content and we do have kind of things for from childhood, I mean, early childhood, right? The infancy, frankly, right? All the way into your senior years, right? And frankly, beyond kind of the age, right? We have something for every demographic, right? It doesn't matter. Like we are amongst the most, if not the most diverse entertainment company there is, right? Servicing yeah, the Latin community and the African-American community and Asian and Caucasian or whatever it is, right? Like there's content for anybody. And I think we pride ourselves in having a, a big portfolio and really iconic brands, right? So MTV is an iconic brand, regardless of you know where it might traditionally sit. Like years ago, it's still iconic. And Nickelodeon, I don't know any kid that hasn't watched Nickelodeon in their youth. And then when you now go to like the iconic CBS, to your point, 60 Minutes, but all the kind of 
amazing programming that comes from the broadcast side, whether that's programs like CSI or Big Bang Theory, Young Sheldon, et cetera, right? Like right. we touch all audiences. And I think that makes not only what we do compelling, but it makes us able to kind of deliver for an advertiser. How do we ensure that advertisers get the best opportunities? And that's what we've done. You know, we've changed and adjusted our sales packaging to accommodate for that. We've kind of enabled, as I mentioned, addressability and so on. But whatever you're looking for, Viacom CBS has a solution. And whatever audience you're looking to target, Viacom CBS has an environment there. And that's not even to talk about what we do internationally, as we're amongst the largest, if not the largest, international organization when it comes to content. And you know what we're doing in South America and what we're doing in Europe and India and so on. It's a great place to work because there's just so much going on. And like I listed off a ton of stuff that I'm doing, and I'm barely scratching the surface of yeah. what we do here. Yep. And that's compelling. It's compelling for me, yeah. right, as an employee. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Appreciate all of that overview. Okay, just looking at time here, I think we've talked a lot about your career about Viacom CBS, about what you're working on specifically at Viacom CBS and what the broader team is working on there. It sounds like you got a lot on your plate professionally, but yep. like, what are you doing outside of your day job? Where are you spending your time? I guess like, what have you been spending the, the last 18 months along with just where are you spending your time? What are you interested in? Yeah. Well, as I pointed out, I do have a lot kind of on my plate work-wise. So I, I do spend many hours working and then catching up on things and, you know, reading contracts, et cetera, et cetera. So work does take up a lot of my time, but, you know, I have a lovely wife and a beautiful boy who's now a teen, he's 15. So I try to spend as much time as I can with them. I have, my hobbies are typically sports related. I'm into sports. I like sports. Sports is my outlet. So whether that's watching sports on TV or going to games or whatever, although unfortunately neither one of my wife or my kid give two shits about sports. So that's a unfortunate situation for me. But so sports is probably one of my main hobbies and outlets. I'm occasionally to the degree that I can play sports. I like, I work out a lot. So I, I have a nice gym downstairs that I kind of leverage and use. And I do that beyond that, go out, eat like some of the typical stuff, go out, enjoy a nice meal, try to spend time with friends. Obviously now that that's a thing again, you start to kind of, as you can see, I'm actually in the city today. So that's the fifth time, Corey, five in the last 19 months that I've been in Manhattan, right? Now I'm kind of getting myself back into going into the city. And when you're in the city now, it's like, can I go maybe maybe go to see some shows or meet up with some people and have a drink or whatever it is. The thing that I, beyond the kind of the sports and the family stuff, the thing that I really enjoy the most is kind of just talking shop, right? Like I have a, probably a disease, which is that I don't really fully shut off work. I should, and I try, but then it's something that I really love. I have a passion for, so I like talking about it. So I end up hanging out with people who are working in the industry so we can have yeah. work to talk about. So maybe it doesn't make my wife as happy as it could, but it certainly keeps me engaged. So just really kind of just talking shop. It doesn't necessarily even have to be things that I do or I'm personally involved on. We all have a lot of opinions and we all have things that we see. And one of my no, I'm not going to call it a superpower per se, but one of the things that I think I'm, I'm reasonably good at is kind of seeing what's going to happen a little out and kind of making sure that whether it's professionally or even personally, like I'm kind of a couple of steps ahead rather than reacting. Yeah. Right. And so having conversations with people is an incredible way to kind of take information in and understand and kind of shape your own opinions. And so I do really like to engage with others in this industry as much as I can and learn, right? I like to listen. You certainly, as you know, as you hear now, I like to talk, but I do like to listen and I do like to learn. And, you know, again, as I talked about, like the luxury that I've had 
the blessing that I've had is the volume of people that I've engaged with in this industry that I, people that I can call friends or acquaintances or whatever, and being able to kind of engage with like a huge amount of people, like in the hundreds and thousands, if you will, keeps you occupied, keeps you engaged and, and keeps you kind of up to speed on everything. Love it. Love that. Love that. I couldn't agree more with all of that. I think, you know, if I could editorialize a little bit of your story, I think passion and the excitement about your job yeah. is what has allowed you to grow in your job over a period of time. I think that's fair. So finding the thing that, that gets you excited that you spend your off hours on also yeah. is probably contributing to why you've risen over whatever. 15, yeah. It's, 20 years. it's easy to say people say, love what you do and yeah. do that. And that's it's hard. It's yeah. hard. That's a little bit of a red herring if I'm being honest, but if you can find something that you're passionate about and then turn that into a career, like I was, as a child, passionate about media. I was a latchkey kid. I watched a lot of television. So I was passionate about television. So now 30 years later or whatever it was, working at a TV company was like a, like a dream, right? Yep. And so to the extent that anybody, right? And I think any you know anybody who listens to this podcast, I'm assuming is probably in the media space and probably has some passion for it. If you have the passion for it, if you have the love for it, and if you're willing to listen and learn, right? Because those things are not always the same and they, they can be mutually exclusive. If you have the passion and you're willing to learn and you're willing to listen to other people, it's not hard to find success, right? Degrees of success are subjective to some extent, but it's not hard to find success. And success to me is frankly, not monetary. The, the success to me is, are you happy? Do you live a happy life? You know what I mean? Are you happy day to day? And if you are that, then everything else kind of falls into place. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Okay. Last, last question is where can the audience go to get connected with you to find out more about Viacom CBS and what you guys are working on? Just where can the audience go to, to learn more? Sure. Well, obviously you can go to any one of our lovely properties to learn what we're doing. Please download Paramount Plus. There you go. It's not Paramount Plus, BT Plus, Showtime, Noggin, whatever. Download one of our streaming environments. I think it's great entertainment holistically. But you know, in terms of myself, I'm relatively easy to find. You, you find me on LinkedIn. You could find me on Twitter. I don't really kind of use much social media beyond that. Like I have a Facebook, but I go there, I say happy birthday and I never come back. You know, Facebook's a different conversation. But LinkedIn or Twitter would be the way to kind of engage with me, obviously email or whatever it is. But I'm around in this industry. I try to go to events. I try to, especially now when things are coming back to life, I try to attend. So don't hesitate coming up and saying hi. Like I said, I like to consider myself a, a nice person. I try to engage with people. I try to be kind to people. I do have a really shitty memory when it comes to names. So if I have met you, I apologize in advance if I don't remember. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm pretty easy to find if you need to find me. Awesome. All right. That is another episode of the Infutor Data Solutions Identity Revolution podcast. Julian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Identity Revolution. For more data-driven discussion, subscribe to Identity Revolution on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for more on how Infutor can improve your data strategy across your entire enterprise, visit infutor.com.